an Irish girl and an English girl walk into a bar. Nothing unusual. Well, except the bar is on a tiny volcanic island, 1,200 miles off the coast of South America, 1,800 miles off the coast of Africa. Nothing in between but ocean. A place where the Union Jack hangs outside, but it's 30 degrees on Christmas Day. A bar where everybody knows your name and the bartender knows your order. This is a podcast of two girls blathering about their favourite things, birds, books, life affairs, trips away and slips, trips and falls in the most remote place in the world. We're in Onyas Flat in the attic of a beautiful Jamestown townhouse. Beautiful, just like the lady who lives here. Cool. <laughs> I didn't realise I was living such a luxurious and glamorous life. <laughs> Talking about luxurious and glamorous, tell us what you're what you're wearing on your head right now. Well, I have my rollers in. Um, so some people might call them curlers because I'm conscious we probably have a lot of international listeners. Of course. Um, so I have my rollers in. I think anyone who's known me for any length of time really will have at some stage seen me with my rollers in. I've been known to go to the shop in them. <laughs> So we're sitting here, I've got a cup of tea and Anya's got a drink um, and this is our very first podcast and we've decided to talk to you about our favourite things and as you will be aware by the jingle, we are in a British overseas territory in the South Atlantic um, called St Helena and so we decided that our first theme for our favourite things would be trips and holidays abroad well yes so we did actually think quite carefully about this because the reason that Nicole and I are in St. Helena is that obviously we're people who enjoy traveling who enjoy seeing the world having new experiences and I think because of that we have a lot of friends and people we've met a lot of people who have that in common with um however we are conscious that for people who don't know us we don't want people to think that we're completely deluded, completely overprivileged people. Um, we do see that holidays and travel and having your favourite holidays is a privilege. We're not living in that deluded bubble. And obviously we are feeling extreme um, guilt about this. So we're very conflicted about this. And I just wanted to put that out there. Of course, of course, the new age of things, it's um, really important to be environmentally conscious. Um so Anya is um, a lawyer. So now that we've got all our caveats up yes. front, <laughs> um, I think we're, we're ready to go. So, so Anya, did you travel much as a backpacker? Like, tell us about your first kind of travel trips, I suppose, as an adult. Right, well, I think anyone who knows me to call backpacker isn't really how you would describe me. <laughs> Um, I've never been able to get all my stuff into a backpack. My actual handbag that I carry every day probably is the size of a backpack. So my, I suppose, first like adult student travel experience was, um, well, as many things in my life, it started off unusually and maybe a bit unfortunately in that I decided to, um, I lived in America for a year, I was studying there. And then I went on this interrating trip with some Irish friends who had come over to America because we'd worked in San Francisco for the summer. We 
when we started the interrailing, then I still had all this stuff. But I mean, it came to the stage with that holiday. So we decided to go into railing. First of all, you can't really go into railing in America. It's not mm. like Europe. I mean, the size of it, we should have thought of that. Like, it took about five days to get through Texas alone. So we were a bit like, this isn't really working too well. And they have these lounges, like a dining car. We only went to the dining car once, though, because it's quite expensive. So then after okay. that, we just eat cereal. I lost a good bit of weight, which as someone who's, I'm always struggling to do. So, oh, actually, no, now just, I'm a bit conscious now, because people might think I'm massively obese. But I'm like, just a bit overweight, just because I realise people will be able to see me. Not that I'm fattest now, obviously. But I'm just saying, <laughs> so concerning. So then um, that was good. But the thing is, the people who were on the journey, as I said, moving house, they really settled into their seats. So they would plug, like some of them are flat screen TVs. Mm. They in the evening, um, not in the night time, before at bedtime, they would go into the bathroom and change completely into their pajamas, their dressing gown, put their rollers in, put their face cream on, and act like they were in their so, own house in their own bedroom. But, but people do this on the plane, right? But I, I've never seen that before. I was like, what? No, seriously, because uh, you know, obviously, to get to get to St Helena, you know, if you're f- from the northern hemisphere, you have to fly this really, you know, eleven-hour flight to get to Joburg or Cape Town. And the amount of people I see do that, it's amazing. You know, proper plaid, night clothes, the eye mask, it's incredible. I just think people's standards have slipped. I mean, <laughs> I really feel you should not be changing into your pyjamas in front of strangers. It's a bit much. So I, of course, just stayed in my normal clothes. I mean, yeah, I might change into like a t-shirt or something and a pair of shorts, of course, with shorts and a skirt. Yeah. But like, I would maybe change into more casual clothing for sleeping. Mm. I'd be more comfortable. But I wasn't going to put on my night and I do realise I say this is somebody who's got their rollers in now <laughs> but anyway so we were travelling around and yeah having a backpack would have been useful um, having a car would have also been useful so when we got off the train at each place America's not really set up for interrailing so my main memory is just dragging cases along highways and hoping I wasn't going to be run over by a truck um, so you just like carry these cases around but it was it was very enjoyable at the same time. We saw yeah. loads of places. And I think in some ways, when you're traveling and you are on a bit of a budget and you are younger, you do get into more interesting like incidents. Because like if you're staying yeah. in a nice hotel and getting taxis everywhere, you don't really see much yeah, color or you don't get much laughs out of it. Yeah. So one memory is that we then um, accidentally went to Juarez in Mexico which is on the list of world's most dangerous cities. Now, to anyone from there, I would just like to say I really liked it and I don't see the danger at all. I think people, I mean, it is dangerous. There are lots of problems there, but it was much nicer than I anticipated. I didn't realise Juarez was a dangerous place. I thought crossing from El Paso in Texas to Juarez in Mexico was just like the way people go to Tijuana. I thought it was a perfectly nice little holiday thing to do, Mm. as did my friends. So we walked across... Maybe alarm bells should have started ringing when the first thing we saw was just a street full of pharmacies with people selling weird drugs. I mean, maybe alarm mm. bells should have went off. I just thought, oh, this is probably just one dodgy street in the town. I'm sure the rest of it's lovely. Yeah. Then we went to a market, bought some jewellery. We were haggling over the jewellery. People told us afterwards we're looking, we just weren't shot during the haggling process, but oblivious okay. is oblivious. Um, I was quite put out when we went to a cafe and the man only had instant coffee because I was like, this isn't very good for tourists. I've realised they've never had any tourists. (laughs) So um, we went back anyway, back over the border into America and we bought some tequila because we were staying with some people in Chicago, some friends we'd met and we were like, oh, get some, some tequila, that'd be nice. So we asked the Border Patrol people whether we needed to pay any duty on the tequila, what like 
customs mm. duty or something. And the man just said, um, just get over to the US side of the border immediately, please. Forget about your tequila. Um, you're in extreme danger. And I don't want a diplomatic incident when you're all shot. And we're like, oh, uh, right. And he was like, do you not realise people like are murdered in Jerez all the time? They could have, people's bodies are just dumped in the desert. I mean, you like to well, think was he was like, over-exaggerating, I, I would right? like to think so, but I did look it up after. And people have been yeah. shot for their organs. People have been... Um, See, had their eyes yeah. ripped out but I mean that might be complete exaggeration because what, what exactly. I've t- I felt okay there and then I mean I would, did regret we didn't buy more tequila because if we know you didn't have to pay duty on it <laughs> but then we got back there and I actually bought I'm wearing these silver bangles now you can't people can't see them I could jingle them but I suppose. and I bought them there at this market and I actually always wear I don't always wear them but I wear them sometimes, and I particularly wear them if I'm in a situation in which I feel a bit apprehensive. I don't actually feel apprehensive about this, but anyway. And I think it kind of symbolises to me that fear is the problem. So if you're somewhere and you don't realise it's dangerous and you don't feel... And I'm not in any way advocating that people go to dangerous countries, but <laughs> don't read the travel advisory warnings. But if you are in a situation and you don't know to fear it, you're relaxed and it's yeah. actually fear that's more the problem. So whenever I'm in stressful situations, I wear my bangles and I think, look, you can wander into a terrible situation. If you remain calm, you don't worry about it. It's fine. It's so true. I mean, when I um, used to work in London, I was working in Millbank Tower at the time. And um, there was these, um, what the media called the student, student riots. So it was all about student fees um, and the student fees in Eng- England were going to go up quite a lot. So uh, there was a lot of people on the streets. Um, it was probably one of the first, not the first time, but like it, it only started to get more and more um, regular that people would come onto the streets about, uh, about things since probably the mm-hmm. 1980s. So this was a, a number of years ago. And, um, you know, uh, there was a couple of guys at the front of the group who were just making trouble. Mm. And they ended up kicking in the glass of one of the offices down at the bottom of the Millbank Tower, um, which happened to be where um, I think it was the Conservatives, or it was a political party uh, who, who were basically based there. Anyway, the, the headlines the kind of next couple of days was, oh, the dangerous riots and all this kind of thing. But, but actually it was just, you know, when you saw just a snapshot of it, when you've got a camera very close up to this really dangerous action, that's where you get all your headlines. Um, but, but people were mostly, um, you know, quite, quite normal, really, and just walking. So, yeah, I mean, it, it is always questionable when, when place, places are stereotyped mm. for a thing. And having grown up in London, I, I know that there's places you are, is more, are more dangerous to go, mm. and then there's places that that are less dangerous to go but in fact even the, the least dangerous uh, you, you know I, we were in uh, me and my dad were in a place called Rickmansworth really well to do area fantastic mm. um, really beautiful um, expensive houses and so on and, and that was where um, where my, my dad's van window got smashed in and, and a stereo got taken so mm. you know w- what do you know it's just no I completely agree because when you go somewhere like when I went there without the stereotypes I didn't look for danger in every corner and people were so lovely I mean the, the people working in all the shops and restaurants were really nice people were friendly on the street we have terrible Spanish non-existent and everyone was yeah. so patient and so nice at the market like really trying to help to work out what we wanted you know yeah. people were just so welcoming and yeah, I think if you don't fall into stereotypes, you can be pleasantly surprised. Mm. Well, actually, not pleasantly surprised, because you wouldn't be surprised, because you don't think of stereotypes. <laughs> Do you see what I mean? Yeah, I see what you mean. 
And what about, I know we've discussed, Nicole, that um, you were saying there how you and your dad went to like a nice area and then that's where his, his van got smashed up. But I know we've discussed before that one of the things we both really like doing is we like staying in nice hotels on our own because we just think it seems quite glamorous. I think in kind of a late 80s way. But <laughs> so, when, so when did you first do that? Like, So when's your first time you travelled alone then? Because I know you like travelling alone. Yeah. So I, I think I must have been about um, 24 or, or 25. And, um, and it was just a fantastic experience. I was heading over to America to see my friend Maeve in, in Denver. Um, and I basically decided to have five days in New York because I'd never been there before. And I got to this hostel in New York and within probably half an hour, I met eight new people, mm-hmm. you know. And one of, the, one of the people that I remember quite dis- distinctly um, had had such a terrible kind of trauma. Um, he was looking after his grandma in this house that his grandma owned and he didn't get along with his dad. And he was essentially quit his job and acted as her carer for a while. And um, and she had passed away, and he mm. was he was devastated, yeah. and and you know because he didn't have a relationship with his his dad, um, as soon as the inheritance came, mm-hmm. uh, he was out of the house. And That's awful. So he was taking away this trip to actually like think about things, and um, and and you and know where was he from? This um, so he was from southern England, right? And um, so I mean he was just one of the people I met, and it was just. Amazing, because I, I think I'd been through a bit of a quarter-life crisis, I'd probably, probably say, <laughs> introduce it if it's even a word. Oh, yeah, I think people still have those. <laughs> I think they do. They probably have them at 70 now, because life is so long, but yes. they do have them, yeah. And, and it had been to the point where, you know, I'd done my degree, I'd done really well, I got a good career and things like that, but I just didn't know where I was going next. Mm. And, and then, then I met someone, you know, who was in, you know, so much of a, a worse position, as you'd probably say, and... And it, it just gave it just gave me food for thought. So I mean, that was just one ex- one experience on that five day trip, and um, I ended up staying in a, in another hostel um, up in the Bronx, which was um, interesting. Um, is that the right thing, the Bronx? Yeah, that's yeah, right yeah. Um, and met like two super fun party Canadian mm. girls. Yeah, oh, oh, girl. yes. And it was so much fun. And, and so one of those party girls, she would do this awful trick that I completely hated, that um, she would start chatting up a, a guy, and she's super gorgeous, pretty. Um, we would come along and be like, oh, you know, where have you been? I mean, it's genuine, because she just walked right. up all the time. Um, then we'd get around her drinks, and then she would just disappear off again. Oh, I hate when people do that. <laughs> Because it's, it's a contract. You have to stay and drink the drink. Every, every decent person knows that. If you accept the drink, you have to stay and talk while you drink it's, the drink. It is. It's a social contract, yes. isn't yes. it? But she was off again. And then we just had to like rudely be like, oh, sorry, you know, we're looking for our friend. And I mean, this wasn't the biggest nightclub in the world. It was just hilarious. So I just, I don't know. I had so much fun. And even when I wasn't with, with the thousands of people that I met there, um... You know, I was by myself around Central Park. I was writing my diary. I was thinking about things. Mm. I was enjoying the sunshine. And it was just absolutely brilliant. And after then, I was definitely hooked. And since then, I've been to um, uh, kind of parts of Cambodia and and, uh, Thailand by myself and things like that. And I do find that people uh, find it easier to talk to you when you're by Mm, yourself. That's true. Mm. You know, if you're sitting there by yourself, you've got a book or whatever, you know, it... It's no problem. But when you're in a couple, it's just the worst. People don't... Rub it in a cup. <laughs> <laughs> but 
but generally, so, so for example, right, if you see a guy and a girl there, right, mm. they're probably not talking to each other because let's be honest, they've been together forever forever and a day. They've set, told each other all their stories or even that whole holiday. Maybe they've had an argument about what they're having for breakfast or whatever. Mm. Anyway, so they're sitting there by themselves. Now, the problem is, like, it's really hard to go up to them because if I go up to... Well, the strategy would be you'd go up to the girl. If you're the girl, you'd go yeah, up yeah. to the girl, right? But it's just there's this barrier of, like, are they just having a romantic thing? And mm. do they not want you to s- speak to them? I mean, you don't, I was going to say you don't want to be the third wheel, but I'm, I'm always the third wheel and I don't mind that. So, but normal people wouldn't want to be the third wheel. Because, yeah, no, I know what you mean. Whereas if you're on your own, you're more approachable. Yeah, exactly. So, of course, another on, on our own story was, it was coming to um, St. Helena. So, um I was, um, uh, I think, I think me and uh, Reese were fiancés at the time, um, potentially, and I, I had got this job on um, on St Helena, and I I decided to come a lot earlier than Reese did. Um, so so there I was by myself. Um, I, I don't know. Shall we explain to the listeners what this RMS journey was? What is the RMS? You know. Well, that's true. Um, so the first, well, just to say, first of all, when Nicole first arrived, I met Nicole in my office. She did a bit of a tour of, of the offices, government offices, and she went around with a packet of biscuits and gave out some biscuits. So I immediately liked her and invited her to Halloween party because I can't even come into my office and gives me biscuits. I mean, that's, that's really, that's fine. I'm going to befriend them. But yeah, so I think we should explain that there is an airport in St. Helena now. There are flights from Johannesburg and at the moment also from Cape Town for the Christmas season. Mm. But previously... Um, before was, 2017. Mm, before yeah. 2017, St. Helena was accessible only by the RMS, which is a royal mail ship. It was one of the last royal mail ships, if not the last, operating mm. in, in the world. So the journey then was from Cape Town, which was a five-day five day voyage from Cape Town to St. Helena. And we both made that that voyage. Mm. Um, I mean, I feel in a way a bit, again, a bit self-conscious talking about this because obviously um, people who are actually from St. Helena and are St. Helena know a lot more about this and have a much deeper Mm. connection to this. So I'm saying this very much as somebody who has just been on it a few times, well, six or seven times, I don't know. But I mean, so I'm not in any way trying to appropriate, you know, St. Helena, but just my own personal experience. Um, I remember... I was just really excited about it. But of course, as always, I've got so obsessed with researching St. Helena. And obviously I was focused on moving to and working in St. Helena. So understand me, that's what I would focus on. But I just assumed that Africa was hot. All parts of Africa were hot at all times. So when I got to Cape Town in winter, mm. I thought, oh, it'll be Africa, it'll be boiling hot. So I'd only kept out a few summer clothes. You need to do your <laughs> research before you go on these holidays. I'd researched everything else, Nicole. Really? But not that. But you're not learned since yeah. you were 21 and your trips are horrid. <laughs> So I got there and all the stuff was in my bag. I was like, I can't unpack it because the case is just so stuffed up. And I'm like, I can't. And I remember having to go around Cape Town in a raincoat just for warmth because it was like, I just need to put my raincoat on. Cape Town can be cold, eh? it was freezing. Felt quite betrayed by Africa. (laughs) And then I remember I went to, I looked, had a quick look at Table Mountain um, I didn't go up, like I just saw it, I, I have done since, but on that occasion. And then um, I got on the ship and it was, yeah, it was amazing. So it's sort of like a small cruise. I mean, I've never been on a cruise, so it's not like a cruise ship. It doesn't have, it has a little swimming pool, but it doesn't have like swimming pools and theatres and casinos and all the things yeah. to get on cruise ships, which I think is actually yeah. nicer. But everyone is very friendly. Yeah. You sit with other people at dinner, like at, you're assigned a table, there's mm. four or five other people. It's perfectly... Um, 
set up for chatting to people and getting to know people because mm. at that time as well in the latter years they introduced some internet on the ship but at that time there was no internet so you were completely cut off from people mm. from those five days complete social media and internet detox and then you had dinner so it's was, it was quite old-fashioned it was a bit like an agatha christie novel in a way yeah. like you felt that somebody was going to be murdered and it was going to be investigated by poirot <laughs> at some stage but then nobody it was very safe though nobody was ever murdered <laughs> and then um you just you sat in the lounges and then you dressed for dinner so you'd sort of have a day sunbathing on deck mm. you'd, then you'd go and get dressed up i remember sitting at my dressing table you put on your perfume you felt like you were in the 1920s and then you'd go to this lovely um, meal and food is always amazing and then you just, there would be entertainment, like bingo, games, quizzes. Yeah, it was very, like, um, basic games, wasn't it? The, mm. definitely, the quiz was definitely a big thing mm. that, you know, people would kind of sniff out whether, you know, how smart you were or how good you were quizzes, probably on the first day, and then decide whether they wanted you for the quiz team. I feel quite rejected. No, I don't think anyone well, really sold me I think, quiz team. I, I think they totally um, got me wrong because I ended up on a really good quiz team. <laughs> I, I contributed nothing. I mean, I buy the drinks. This is my contribution. Well, fair enough, <laughs> to yeah. You can be on my quiz team. See, see, I love your description of the RMS because it's so much more romantic than, than my experience because I get terribly seasick. Oh, right. Yeah. yeah. And so I didn't know on the first voyage that there was a doctor who handed out this uh, injection which knocked you out for a day or two. Well, um, if you're highly strong, it doesn't really. Oh, I mean, yeah. I found an hour and I was bounced back. But so, so, my, so I, I did that on my second uh, voyage. But my, my first ever voyage, where, you know, by, by myself, I didn't know anyone. And I was just sick as a dog. And, you know, you're trying to, you know, act happy and, like, to an extent professional because mm. obviously you're, you're going there for a reason which is a job and um and yet you're just green you're just green inside mm. and actually I met another passenger who was a visiting um optician and he just he couldn't stomach like a one single beam like he was just just throwing up the I must say entire... no comfort I enjoyed all of my food oh gosh <laughs> so uh, so yeah and then the other thing I did I started watching um the walking dead uh, which is it's not a great choice <laughs> oh thank you I, I was wondering what that face was whether you didn't know what it was okay so anyway for those who don't is um it's a series about zombies so i'm watching the walking dead and i'm getting through um the whole of series one which is the series that you're really scared of the um of the zombies mm-hmm. and i'm just like having nightmares That's, so why would you do that <laughs> so i'm basically throwing up having nightmares and then the, the final night, you know, the crew, I really got on with the crew and, um, you know, RIP uh, Captain Rodney was oh, su- yeah. super fun. Sinalinian. He actually, his family was in uh, Watford, which is bang on round the, round the way that I, I grew up. And, um, and yeah, and, and so, yeah, having, having a leaving party uh, for a member of crew with Captain Rodney in his, in his, um, in his cabin area it was just so much fun but then of course on arrival um i had quite a headache and that was just so stressful <laughs> oh, oh no well i just remember at one point i didn't get seasick at all which i know is annoying for you nicole i took the injection did i need it i don't know um but i didn't get sick at all but then i do remember one slight crisis of confidence where about three days into the voyage I suddenly thought I was sitting in my cabin and I suddenly thought "Mm, I'm in the middle of the sea now there's no going back Mm, I've made a few hasty decisions before have I gone too far this time (laughs) 
I really just taken it too far. And then I remember saying to myself, I was like, well, I've made such a fuss of leaving Ireland now. I've said goodbye to everyone I know. I've had leaving parties. The whole country knows I'm moving to St. Helena. So I was like, I'll have to stay. I was like, no matter what it's like, for shame's sake, I'll have to stay yeah. there. I'll just have to. Now, luckily, when I arrived, I liked it instantly. Um, which just as well, because no matter what it was like, I would have stayed just for shame's sake. I could not have went home and been like, oh, sorry. Yeah, that, that didn't really work out. So I just stayed. But I, I liked it anyway, thankfully. I think I think the, the, the five days of, of meeting people on the boat really helped because you, you automatically got to the island and you, you had some com- com- comrades. Mm. comrades. You had yeah. some friends, I guess, that you had made and that were familiar, familiar to you. Um, but yeah, it was, it was mad because... You know, so the, the ship then carried on to Ascension mm-hmm. and it turned around. So you had about a week. And, and there, was story, there has been stories of people who, um, who have left after a week, basically. Um, but, but that doesn't happen very often, for sure. I think people probably like it. You know, I think most people do really yeah. like it. Or if they don't like it, I think they at least give themselves a good chance. But I think most people, most people do like it. Um, and they do stay and, and are happy here. Yeah. Um, but I think as well, I mean, I've never been anywhere I didn't like because at the end of the day, no matter where you go, it's always new. So I was like the novelty mm. of the newness. Now, I do genuinely like it here. But even, you know, I've gone places before in Europe, whatever cities maybe, and like maybe they're not my favorite place in the world, but I've never mm. disliked them because I'm like, well, I'm in a new place. I haven't seen yeah. it before. Even if there's only one shop and one coffee shop. Well, I haven't been to that coffee shop before, so I'll go and look at it. I think it's, it's quite um, magical coming here on uh, you know, by boat, it, it, actually by plane as mm, well. Because, no, it is. Because either mode of transport you go, you, you're looking at sea for a very long time. That is true. Yeah. And then you see, when you're coming here by plane as well, I had forgotten because I flew back recently and you stop, you fly over Namibia and you see all the desert from the plane because mm. the plane flies quite low. And if it's a clear day, you have amazing views of the desert. You have that refueling stop in Namibia, which I mean, I suppose because I've been on that route a few times, it's a bit like, oh, whatever. But mm. if that was your first time, yeah. you, that would be that's exciting. Like yeah. it's interesting, it's exciting. You're looking at the desert. You're seeing quite a windswept, desolate mm. airport in the middle of the desert. Then you fly on to Saint Helena. It's a really scenic, dramatic yeah. um, scenery. Like this rock just comes out of the ocean at you. These yeah. mar- marvelously windswept cliffs and the sea and it's really beautiful so I think it's a very exotic and romantic journey exactly and it's just it's amazing how different the island is at different parts because many islands across the world um they don't necessarily have those cliffs it's quite flat Hmm. um perhaps you've got a beach around the outside perhaps you've got palm trees or whatever but then it tends not to be too varied across the Hmm. island but St. Helena is just a bit mad because it's you know, it, it was volcanic. I mean, it's not mm. active, but, um, and, and like Anya says, you know, you've got these huge cliffs coming out and in the middle of the island, there's these rolling hills, um, loads of vegetation mm. and, and, you know, parts of it look like, you know, Yorkshire Dales, um, other parts of it look like the desert mm. or, or there's, there's these sands, which are red, which look like an area in Mars, you know, mm. um, you've got cactus, you've got eucalyptus, you've got oak, you've got fir trees. Mm. It's amazing. It's like such a, it's like such a micro thing. It's like every landscape on a tiny island. Well, not snow, obviously, but other, yeah. all other landscapes. 
I think I think you could totally do some some filming here, do some movies. Mm. I mean, you wouldn't need to go very far in order to get a different different landscape. You could but. do those westerns. You know, like the way in the past they used to go to Italy and pretend oh, yeah. it was America and um, film those west, like in the really dusty um, hot oh, parts yeah. of Italy. But you could definitely do that, or you could do like a lunar landscape. If you're doing like a space thing. Oh yeah, definitely. Mm. And all. Also, because the high street is fairly Georgian, you could probably do some, some, some kind of old time. You know, everyone yeah, in like Jane Austen. Yeah, exactly. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so please, I mean, we would love to see the film crews coming out here and all the actors and actresses. And oh, yeah, so we would love that. Too. <laughs> we would all always be available as well for roles if anyone yeah. wanted us. Yeah. So I think that's obviously a very kind of unusual um, trip. I, I think bef- before that. Um, I had had a few un- unusual trips before, but I, th- I think that was um, that was definitely the one that that sounds a lot more exciting. But I used to go to um, to the Alps motorbiking a lot. Oh wow! Uh, yeah. With with my dad. Have you ever been kind of there in the summer or? I've been yeah. I've been to Switzerland in the summer because when I finished school, I went to learn French in Switzerland. It wasn't a finishing school. I just wanted to be clear. <laughs> It would be so disappointing for everyone if I'd been to finishing school and ended up like this. Uh, My French is very rusty, but I am going to um, go to some French lessons and download a French app because I feel I do need to improve it. I feel so embarrassed about it. I used to be fluent. It was awful. Because after that summer in Switzerland, I was fluent. I was actually dreaming in French. So I got that level of fluency. And then I was in um, university in Ireland and there was these French lessons. I should have went to them, but they um, clashed with a club night that I liked going to, so obviously <laughs> I didn't go. And then now I'm like, oh, I, I could have been a contender, but I'm not. So oh, I feel embarrassed because I learned French for um, 10 years and then um, I had a boyfriend in university who did a year out in Paris. So mm. I went to visit him every kind of two or three weeks. And it was kind of great at the end of that because... You know, I remember one time being in the pub and being able to actually have a genuine conversation yeah. with someone, and it's just, oh. But yeah, so these trips in the Alps were um, fantastic. And, and actually, Did Switzerland. Did you go in the summer as well? Because you'd have to, because you yeah, couldn't be much biking in the snow. Exactly. Course, so. and, and Switzerland's got to be one of my favorite, well, best looking countries. It's just so expensive, I think that's I just a, found it a bit, it's, it's beautiful to look at. It is expensive, but. I mean, I mean, I'm sure maybe this was because I was young or whatever, but I just felt that there's there, that kind of um, crazy, like abandoned sense of fun just isn't there. Not abandoned, uh, yeah. abandoned. like that, you know, you just feel like no one's going to just go and have a mad night True. out. But maybe they do if you found the right places, but I didn't maybe look enough. Yeah. But it's beautiful. It is like Guess chocolate what? box, like you think it would be. It's beautiful. Totally. So we, um, we motorbike, we've done this this route twice actually is amazing so you you go past um davos and then you head up to um italy basically and one of the famous passes is the stelvio pass but there's actually mm-hmm. some um some really nice passes near there and the, the stelvio pass basically is um is hairpin bends back and mm-hmm. forth on it and it's just stunning but you know we took the motorbikes out and we were there to um meet a um a group of of riders from all parts of Europe riding Multistradas like Ducati Multistradas but anyway on the way there um uh, and this one particular time uh, we got passed by by these three sports cars um which we thought was amazing so we, so we stopped at the top of this mm. um this pass with basically cows with bells dingling and <gasps> like a an oh gosh it was amazing oh. 
and, and you know you could or the see the sound of music but I know that's Austria but still uh, and, and, and the, the grass was, was not just green it was just like bright light green you know mm. and the sky was blue and as well um, the way the rocks were you could see the water trickling down where it melted off the snow and it was just incredible and we watched these three cars go back and forth and they came back up and went back and forth and thought oh they must be they must be filming and do you know what it was it was a Top Gear programme really and, and it, there's an amazing programme out there which where the Top Gear crew were looking for um, the best um, place uh, in Europe to drive and nice. they went for a few places and, and that place where we were watching them was the final top number one best place to be oh my goodness and, and generally I think it's probably one of the most beautiful places I've been it's I hate gorgeous. I hate to say it on the podcast because I hope not too many people go there because you it's ruinous because yeah. it's really there's I'd not that many though, people considering go. it's our first podcast <laughs> and the listenership I'd say it should be safe enough <laughs> I think, I think it's like be maybe about two people yeah, listen yeah. To it, so yeah and then the <laughs> Conversion rate to actually going there. Yeah. So I think we're fine. Yeah. yeah. I mean, yeah, there's other like favorite, if we ever go on to like favorite beaches, oh, oh no, I'll just be ruining a place. It'll be like the beach, you will ruin it. Like <laughs> I the totally novel. Be, yeah, so many good stories. So I'm just going to gonna freshen my drink because, well, I have no shame and I'm just going to ruin the podcast now by walking. But um, you can probably still hear me. Nicole, tell me more about Switzerland. So. I think Switzerland is absolutely incredible. I think the thing is that it's um, poor cousin... I'm back now, nobody worry. <laughs> I shouldn't say it's poor cousin, but, you know, over over the way in um, Italy, it's almost just as beautiful as Switzerland. Oh, I love Italy, though. But it's cheaper. It's so yeah. much cheaper. And you've got that Dolce Vita. Oh, and mm. the good wine and the good food. So do you know what? Like after a f- after a few uh, times of going there, it's a bit naughty, but we've ended up really enjoying it and then going over the border and staying in Italy. But. Fair enough. I love southern Italy though. I've been to Sicily and I just I think it's one of my favourite places as well that I've ever been because it's yeah. just it's really hot. Which I, you know I love hot weather and I just yeah. baking in the sun. And it's just like really like it's quite good value. It's got gorgeous food, really nice wine. And because it's a young wine, you can drink loads of it and you don't get headaches because they don't have the sulfites because they don't export it oh, because yeah. it's young wine. Brilliant. And then it's just beautiful. But yeah, I think Italy is one of my favorite places, actually, because you kind of have everything because you have like mm. history, culture, food, wine, weather. You know, you've kind yeah. of all the things you'd want on a holiday. In That's true. And they haven't, like, they've got that real sense of fun mm. that you were saying is missing from some places. Yeah, yeah I, I stayed up with a, with a girl I actually met on this um, Multistrada um, motorbike tour and she had an amazing place. Her family had some flats um, by the sea on the Amalfi Coast. Mm, lovely. Um, and then I ended up train uh, taking a train, obviously solo, she was working, mm. um, to the Cinque Terre, which is this beautiful, oh, oh you know yes, it, gorgeous, yeah. yeah, oh, beautiful kind of set of uh, villages on the side of um, the coast, and it's just picture. I mean, you'd think it would be in the Game of Thrones or something like mm. that. Um, just amazing. You so. know my thoughts on Game of Thrones, Nicole. I can t- oh, <laughs> honestly, let's not have an argument. <laughs> Anya is has not watched them, so I never will. <laughs> So um, you recently came back from a holiday. So what was that like? Yes, so that was actually, I went to Argentina and 
Argentina is one of my favorite places, and I sort of broke one of my own rules recently because I don't have many rules, really, um, <laughs> to be honest. Um, but I don't really go to long haul places twice because I feel the, the world's a bit too big for that. Because, like, if you're spending that time and money going somewhere, I feel like really? you kind of, well, I don't usually. Okay. But I broke that rule because I went to Argentina about 10 years ago with my sister and one of my friends and we did loads of traveling around on buses and like just you know just but i think at that stage yeah i would probably still do this but now i think my friends and family hold me back a bit in a good way like i've always felt um so i'll think for example okay i'm going to be somewhere for two weeks so i'm just going to shove 25 destinations into that two weeks and i'll end up being in each place for like five minutes yeah. spending most of the time and like, oh oh i need Where's to get my next bus oh no grab my three suitcases <laughs> but then um so i did that and you know maybe when you're a bit younger that's a bit more doable so um i like swam with sea lions in patagonia and um i like i had an amazing time and i love buenos aires and went to a tango lesson. It was amazing. That was like 10 years. It was great. So then one of my friends very helpfully went to, and moved to Buenos Aires because I love it when my friends move to nice places. And then, so this year I went back there and as I said, I don't usually go back places, but I did. And yeah, I really liked it. So it was actually, it was one of my favorite things because it sort of combined everything I like about a holiday. Because mm. similar to Italy, Argentina has amazing food, like the best steaks ever just gorgeous oh, okay. oh my god that's environmentally dodgy now as well <laughs> most sticks. i just oh i don't know i just i'm i'm beyond help really. it's all right by the time we've done the podcast you'll be a vegan yeah probably that's true yeah, yeah so but so the steak is amazing and then um the the wine you know they have the vineyards mm. with really lovely wine buenos aires is just one of those cities where yeah the, there is a sense of fun in buenos aires and you know people would go and have a crazy night mm. out there it's just got that energy and then they have these huge avenues of these gorgeous jacaranda trees and all the like purple blossoms like floating down onto the ground. It's absolutely beautiful. And then it's like that nice combination of the familiar and the different because you feel there's all these markers where you feel quite European. So as somebody from Europe, you feel quite like, oh, it, it seems familiar, like the architecture feels familiar. And then... But then something like in the climate or something in the light, maybe, I think it's more the light, you'll suddenly think, no, I'm not in Europe, but you feel the way yeah. I am in South America. And I like that combination. And then um, this time was ideal because my family, so I spent, so some of, a group of my very close friends were there and we've recently got into the habit of, we tend to meet each other on holidays because that way we all mm. live, we've, we have met here actually, most of us, and then we've kind of scattered all over the world. Mm. So we really like to catch up on holiday because then everyone has the time. Nobody's yeah. rushing to work or stressed or anything. Mm. And you can really spend time with people, but also explore a new place. And I yeah. think one of our sort of common interests as a group is that we all love travel. Mm. So it's really nice. And then my parents came out as well, which was really nice. And I, so I had, I had some time with them. And then um, I also met some new people because Pam, the girl that lives there, had some other friends over. Mm. So, so it was a kind of all the things I like you know yeah. together like family friends meeting new yeah. people great scenery so that yeah so, so I think I would go to Argentina again I really like it actually yeah I really liked it and then um it's just yeah just that I think see I think my favorite thing in the whole world because as you know Nicole my dream job 
well, if I didn't have, obviously my job is my dream job, but if I didn't mm. have that job, it would be to be an air hostess. Because my, and I have, I would just like to say to listeners that for the third time now, I have been mistaken for an air hostess in <laughs> South Africa, um, in a hotel where, again, I was booking a beauty treatment and the woman said, which airline do you fly with? And I was like, oh, I'm not actually an air hostess, but I was delighted. Oh. <laughs> and then, but I think my favourite thing in the whole world is when you go to an airport, particularly like an international airport and you just look at the board and you think it's just that sense of excitement and freedom and you think I could go anywhere and you just Mm. think the world is so big and there's so many places to go and you just can't beat that feeling just standing in an airport looking at that board and thinking I could go anywhere I I think this is you know we talked at the beginning of the podcast about um the the guilt about traveling Mm. and the co2 and things like that and and I suppose being in St Helena because the flight is um expensive um to get on and off the Mm. island um mainly because it's it's actually really far from Africa Mm. like it's almost halfway between Africa and South America Mm. that's the extent to which you're flying the plane is relatively small that you come here on, so there's my in- economics flying in. Nicole is an actual economist, <laughs> so when she speaks about economies of scale, you can trust it. She knows what she's talking about. <laughs> Guaranteed, verified. <laughs> um, you know, so so it's expensive to go on and off. So so generally, you will have like one at the most two holidays mm. a year. You know, and again, we do realise that is privileged. Even one holiday in your life yeah. probably is privileged, but. totally uh, completely and and you know most people many people will just you know be be content with holidays on the island in fact there is quite a lot to do but Mm. but but that excitement that on your um you talk about standing there in front of the board is is just amazing i I guess in a way we're lucky that we've we've traveled so so much um up until this point Mm. that um, I guess the wonder loss doesn't doesn't feel so bad. Yeah. Um, I think the enjoyment of being on this island, um, remote as it is, um, is is so much that I, I don't miss it too much. I, I do miss my friends definitely. Um, I mean, friends, if you want to take a hint and come all the way to St Helena <laughs> for your own holiday, <laughs> oh, that would be brilliant. But oh, but yeah, true. but there does exist Skype. So I think it's probably time to do the run-up. I think we might have to have a little chat about it and do our, our top kind of five uh, so. favourite trips. We'll have to think about it carefully. Okay. Um. So we have our top five favourite trips and holidays abroad that we have spoken about in this podcast. And number five is... Safe travel to Juarez, Mexico. Um, I think what we take from this is that the world is hopefully not as dangerous as we all think it is. <laughs> and number four is travelling solo in New York. And then travel number three is travelling with friends and family in Argentina. Number two is motorbiking in the Alps near Davos. And then number one, I wish we had an X factor style chorus, but we don't that drum roll really does it um is traveling from south africa to saint helena which is a truly unique well thank you very much for listening and i hope you enjoyed that podcast and we hope to see you listening in or hear you listening in or whatever it is if you wanted Uh, to write to us you could because then we could like interact with people that would be nice that would be nice thank you very much